G'day champions, Namu here for Barrel Surf Podcast. Hope you're keeping well and the isolation that we're all going through is not treating you too poorly at the moment. Hopefully you might even be getting a surf, especially, you know, if you're in Australia, you're probably doing okay. Elsewhere in the world, maybe not so good. Um, this week we managed to get Dave McCauley on, on Barrel Surf Podcast. It was an absolute pleasure having a chat with Dave. He's a, yeah, he's an absolute champion. He's got great stories to tell about his time as a junior to then going on the world tour. He managed to win, well, he won quite a few events while he was on the tour. He came third place twice, once, once to a rampaging Martin Potter in 1989. He uh, left the world tour in about 94, settled down with his family, started shaping boards, still shaping today. Uh, and then uh, in recent times, he's uh, started on a new career as a coach for his daughter, Bronte. You're probably aware that we've got a, a segment on our show called Bronte's Beat. Um, so yeah, we talk about Bronte and uh, it's really good to be able to get Dave's perspective on how she's going and how she prepares and all of that sort of thing. So he goes into a bit of that. It's uh, yeah, a really great chat that we, we had, myself and T-Bone. Uh, and without further ado, here he is, Dave McCauley. There we go. G'day and welcome to Barreled Surf Podcast. We are lucky enough to have in the remote studio, I should can't say a studio because we're not in the studio, but we do have via Zoom, Dave McCauley today on Barreled Surf Podcast. How are you, Dave? Yeah, great. Thanks, Andrew. Um, yeah, happy to be here and uh, happy to uh, have a chat to you guys. Yeah, that's awesome that you've come on. I don't, I don't know if anyone would know that I'm called Andrew. Yeah, it's, use Andrew on. <laughs> Whatever you want. We've also got Tyron here via via Zoom as well. G'day, T-Bone. Yeah, same, mate. I think um, uh, even my kids call me T-Bone um, for some reason. But uh, yeah, had that nickname for quite a while as well. So anyway, we're not we're not here to talk about us. So, Dave, you look no. like you're pretty relaxed in your uh, in your house there, down in the bay. What, what's what's life like for you at the moment? Oh yeah. Um, it's 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 good still. I mean, uh, like I said, um, you know, for a while there, we were a bit worried about uh, getting shut down, maybe from being able to surf. So um, I think, uh, yeah, most uh, surfers in the area have kind of jumped on board and trying to do the right thing. So um, yeah, hopefully we're we're out of the woods as far as um, you know potentially getting getting shut shut down like a lot of other countries have uh, from surfing. Yeah, it seems to be pretty good. I mean, there's been obviously a couple of waves around. It's that time of year down this way. So it's been pretty good. What were you about to say, Tyron? I did see the Margaret River Mayor on TV, uh, yes, last night actually, um, mentioning that the, uh, yeah, the local surfing community, in, in particular the senior surfers, were uh, encouraging all the younger younger surfers to uh, do the right thing. And, and, and he's, yeah, the... The local surfing community jumped on board, and, uh, and it's good. It's good um, to say. Speak, speaking of young surfers, Dave, how old were you, and you know whereabouts did you grow up, and when did you just start surfing? <laughs> um, yeah, I am fifty-six, uh, and you don't have to tell us that. Oh, I thought you asked my age. Sorry. <laughs> uh, when I started, uh, well, uh, I lived uh, for four years in in Collie, actually. Uh, from grade three to grade six, so yeah, we used to go down as a family and hang out on the on the river um, on this little 
little kind of bay called Sandy Beach, which was actually in Collie on the Collie River. So my brother and I, uh, Noddy, we used to grab our little uh, polystyrene cool lights and um, just paddle around on those on the river. And then every now and then when a boat went past, we would um, paddle for the boat wake and stand up and get like a 1.5 metre ride. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those ferry, ferry, little ferry waves in the Swan River when I was a Grom too. They used to it seemed like they were well overhead. Um, yeah. So if from the living in Collie, when did you actually get the, the bug for surfing? Well, uh, my father, who was a teacher, um, uh, got the gig to go back to Perth. And uh, so I would have been 11, just turned 11 when we went back to Perth and uh, started surfing at Scarborough. Um, Scarborough Beach and um, yeah, still on just a polystyrene board, like on a foamy this time. And um, myself and the kid next door, um, Boog was his nickname. We started surfing together and um, through year seven, we just rode, rode the foamies. Um, and then uh, in those Christmas holidays before going to high school, we, got, uh, we both got fiberglass boards. So we pretty much had the bug, uh, I'd say in year seven, so when I was 11. Yeah, nice. I guess the banks at Scarborough were pretty pretty perfect back then. Everyone seems to remember the banks as being a lot better than they are now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> it was always like six to eight feet and you know big barrels. <laughs> Trick point exactly. all the time wave. Yeah. You mentioned you got your first fiberglass board. Do you remember who shaped it? And was it a what a twenty thruster? Yeah, no, I do remember it very well. It was a single fin. Um, so it was a diamond tail single fin with that real sort of forward curve 70s yeah. outline so this was about 1970 end of 75 going into 76 uh and it was the guy down the road yeah 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 so uh it was like blue bottom like the old blue tint blue rails and um pin line and it was just the guy made it down the road in his backyard so um <laughs> nice it was called a mako there you go Mako, yeah, nice one. And um, so started surfing. When did you sort of go, I'm okay at this and start going in events and that sort of thing? Yeah, I think in year eight, um, the only comp that I sort of knew of was the schoolboys. Um, they didn't have girls in it yet at that stage. And I was in year eight and I uh, went in the contest at Triggs and um, yeah, I couldn't get out into the lineup. Like I didn't know how to duck dive at that stage. And um, I remember just like jumping over these whitewaters, standing on the sandbank and got dead last in my first heat. So it wasn't like a very good start. Um, and, uh, and then uh, the following year, so like one year later in the exact same event, I was in the, um, that, that schoolboys event again and um, uh, I ended up getting second in the under 15s to uh, Colonel, who um, you might know, yeah, does the, um, surf supplies all the blanks and, and resin and yeah. stuff and um he actually dominated that event like he won the under 15s he won the under 19s and he came second in the under 17s and the, and the guy that beat him was um the guy that went to my school who's a couple of years older his name is phil scott and he was uh became a ruckman one of the early ruckmen yeah. for the eagles so um he oh, was okay. the only guy to beat yeah. yeah yep so Didn't back then you know, was a surfer. There you go. he was a big guy too He's a big guy and he was a really good surfer. So, yeah. um, you know, he, he, was, he stopped Colonel from completely <laughs> scooping the pool that year. Taking a clean sweep. He's a, he was originally Subi, wasn't he? Phil Scott? Subi, yeah. Yeah, he would have been. Yeah, he would have been Subi, but I know he was um, played for the Eagles too. 
Yeah, yeah, I remember that as well. Yeah, nice one. So the transition from sort of being um, starting out surfing, getting better at doing okay in the schoolboys. When did you sort of um, think, well, I might might become a pro surfer, or was it just like a gradual, uh, progressive thing for you? Oh, like I, it was always a dream, you know. Like when I was a kid in high school, and you're always just sort of like doodling on your on your schoolwork when you should be concentrating. Um, I was no different to that. Always sort of dreaming, and you know, we had the surf mags back then, and and you know, Ian Cairns was like a like a pro, kind of like a pro surfer. Oh, he was a pro surfer, and and it was that era, and then you know, sort of MR coming on from from there, and um, so I guess it was a dream when I was a kid at, in high school, and then um probably didn't become a reality or more of a reality till I was um, maybe like, uh, I think I went away to the, the world amateur titles in 1984. And that was um, uh, uh, like, we had a really strong team and so did America. It was like quite a big build up to that particular mm-hmm. world titles. Um, and it was the same year that um, they had the Olympics in LA as well, a bit later. So um yeah, I think once you, if you make the Australian team, you know, because it's pretty hard to make the Aussie team, um, then maybe you're ready to yeah. have a crack at being a pro surfer sort of thing. So that was a bit of a gauge, I guess. So that wasn't until yeah, I was uh, probably 20. Yeah, okay. So what was the World Amateur Finals at? It was, um, it was held over three, they had three rounds. So it was in the Los Angeles kind of area. They had, um, oh, okay. you know, like down at Oceanside and then at Huntington uh, or one part of South Huntington and then uh, up at Ventura. And then they had the final sort of like they had the top eight, um, you know, from those three rounds uh, to surf in the very final round, which just counted like they, you accumulated your points. So, um yeah, I just made it into that top eight. I finished in eighth spot. But then they had like man on man with priority and everything because Ian Cairns <laughs> was actually, yeah, he was running the running it um, and he was like a coach in America back then. And yeah. so it was like done like basically along the lines of what the ASP was. And I ended up making the final man on man with uh, Mike Parsons, who's oh, um, you know, one Snips. of my, my good friends now. Snips, exactly. And we... Yeah, we we um, he Snips has got some video footage of it. He reckons it's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> us surfing back in '84 on these chunky, fat pieces of junk, you know. Oh, we need we need to see that footage. Let's get in contact with Mike Parsons and get that. That'd be great to see. Have you? We we tend to see some waves in California. Have you ever had really good waves over there? Oh, yeah, in Kelly's wave pool. That's <laughs> in California. <laughs> I was going to ask you about uh, wave pools. What, what's your thoughts on the wave, whole wave pool thing? I mean, Kelly's one's insane. Like, um, and and not joking. That that's easily the best ways I've had in California. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, like, like it is an insane wave. Um, I, I was fortunate to go um, with Bronte. She was in the Olympic um, squad, and mm-hmm. they invited her and and her. Um, coaches and also shapers. So I was like, had the double odds shaper. Um, oh, I wasn't first shaper then, but you know, like, and so we had allocated waves. So my first time at Kelly's Wave Pool, I got like a heap of waves, like, which is like, if you knew how hard it is to get waves in Kelly's Wave Pool, um, unless you're like, you know, in the top 32 yeah. men or the top 17 women, um, 
it is really hard. So I was very lucky. Um, and I was hopeless on the right hander because my backhand <laughs> tube, tube riding technique is so bad. Um, <laughs> Probably so the first I, time I you've been right in a few years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Had, had the, had the blinkers on for lefts, but yeah, I mean, um, once you get the hang of it, it it's, it's really, really quite good. And, um, they've, they've done it well. So I loved it. Mm. Yeah. And still yeah. do. <laughs> it looks yep. insane. Um, just with talking about waves in California, I know they've talked a lot about, they want trestles to, to come back on the, on the, on the world tour, um, yep. and to drop the pool. Um, what's your view on trestles as a wave? It, it seems to be a really high sort of, um, performance type wave. And, I was just watching some of the old old finals over the last last few days. Um, how do you feel about Trestles being back on, popping the pool, like you know, speaking like, on Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, I, I mean, for the tour, I think I'd rather Trestles than the Wayful. But um, I just think you know, um, Trestles is such, it is a great wave. It's, you know, such a high performance wave and it's yeah. the epicenter of surfing in California really. And, um, yeah. um, you know, and it's the ocean. It's very consistent, like all summer long, you know, they get those Southern swells that I remember when I was first in California and they, they talk about this swell from New Zealand. I'm thinking New Zealand, what the hell? That's like <laughs> so far away. Why are they talking about swell from yeah. New Zealand? But it literally is, you know, like it comes all the way through the Southern and into the Northern hemisphere yeah. and you get these swells that are, and I, I struggle with it because um, the swell is just so different to here where, you know, okay, we get swells that have traveled from a long way as well here, but, but not so much as, as there, you know, like the, the regularity of the sets is so different to here. And I really struggled with it um, at Huntington and, and places like that when I was competing there. But yeah. I mean, Trestles is awesome, you know. I think it's it was all it's a great event, and you know, my mind goes back to even though I wasn't actually there, back to when Kelly won that PSAA event there. I think it was, and he had the star trunks and that, you know. Remember that? Yeah, in the black and white video. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that was, that was the awesome. surfing yeah. that he did there was just so incredible, and you know, yeah. we were all blown away, and we were <laughs> on the tour, but he was this kid, you know, coming yeah. up that was just about to smash us all, and um, He's another and, you know. Yeah, he made that made that statement, <laughs> statement at uh, at Trestles. So, I think all the yep. pros really like it. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't be bummed if that replaced the pool. Yeah. When uh, did I, you actually? Sorry, go on. Sorry, no, okay, no. You go. When was your rookie year on the on the pro tour, Dave? Was it eighty five? On mine. Yeah. Yeah, I started in eighty five. So. Yes, yeah, so you know how I said uh, I was in the World Amateur titles in 84 mm -hmm. and I stayed amateur, yeah. but a lot of the guys that were in that, there was Snips and Brad Gerlach and Todd Holland was a junior um, in the American team and, and uh, Doug Silver and, um, and then in the Aussie team there was Kong, um, Robbie Bain, Damien Hardman, mm -hmm. Simon Law, um, Stomper was in it, Mick McAuliffe, he was in the Aussie team oh, yeah. and, and, and I was in it as well. So. A bunch of the guys from Australia and America went pro straight after that event and went straight on to France, Lacanau mm. and Hossegor and all that, and, and did yeah. the tour. I just I held off a little bit longer and did the Aussie titles the following year in May in '85, uh, and then turned pro in July of that year of 1985 and went to like South Africa and England and France and and did the Aussie league as well. There's two Aussie leagues, the one in April. Uh, or March, April, and then the one in November. 
So yeah. I did about half of the tour that first year in 85. So was, I that, was reading that post that you wrote about the, the Newcastle event 35 years ago, you won the trials as a rookie. That's right. Um, that's yep. a pretty, pretty yeah, that was that was that year. That was that year. So I was so back then you had a trials event and then the main event, which had the the guys, the what they called the back fourteen from thirty to 17 from the previous year's ratings and then the top 16 from 16 to one. Um, uh, so I was going in the trials to come up against those back 14 man on man. And then if you got through that round, you'd surf against the top 16. So the top 16, the worst they could get was 17th sort of thing if they lost in the very first heat. Yeah. So it was like, you know, you had to do pretty bad to get knocked out of the top 16. If you yeah. made a few heats through the year, got a few, you know, two or three fits, you were pretty much going to make it again for the, for the following year. Yeah. yeah. Nice. What, what are your thoughts, Dave, on uh, the numbers in, in the men's competitions these days? Um, you know, having the top 32, there's been a bit of talk around, I guess, around the media about is it too many and if it was cut down, would be able to, you know, get, get three rounds in, in one swell. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I know it's, um, well, there's so much depth in the men's, you know, you see some guys that just battle away and then they finally qualify after, you know, I don't know, five or six or seven years on the QS tour and then get on the CT and then get knocked straight off and the year can yeah. just go in the blink of an eye, you know, and you yeah. feel bad because there's just so much depth on the men's tour. Um, but at the same time, I feel like the women's tour, the numbers are so low, you know, half mm. of the men's, that um, I feel like you could have a few more women in, in that tour, the CT tour, like maybe mm. um, instead of having 18 in, in one event, have 24. Yep. Um, you know, just so you've got a bit more uh, of a mix up there. And um, yeah, yeah, so that's not really helping. You know, I think when Sophie um, Goldschmidt, was CEO and she only recently um, uh, finished that role. Yeah, she might have been looking at trying to get towards that, towards having even numbers in the men and women, you know, so maybe mm. 24 each and that would have reduced the overall number because you would have knocked off, say, 12 men from an event um, and had, you know, following in the footsteps of having equal prize money for men and women and having equal numbers, so... But, you know, the argument would be, well, the women don't have the same depth that the men do in talent sort of thing. So um, that's how they kind of justify having more men, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's an, in it's an interesting one. There's, yeah, we've sort of looked at the numbers and how many rounds they have and that sort of thing. And it, you could certainly cut out one of those sort of non-elimination rounds, I reckon. And, um, yeah, pretty simple, pretty simple fix from, uh, from the lounge room anyway. Um, so just before yeah. Dave, you were mentioning a few names that you sort of went on tour with, you know, the Simon Laws and the, you know, the Kongs and those sorts of people, some big names there. Who were who some of the, the biggest sort of characters around that time on the tour? There was a heap of them in the eighties. Like everyone was a character almost, you know, <laughs> in their own way. Um, yeah. you know, like Kong, Kong, you know, you mentioned Kong and he's a classic example. In fact, you know, um, when I went to the masters, um, in 2018, yeah, Kong was there, and he—he's a big unit nowadays. And he—he um, uh, well, he didn't have a, a very good event, um, but he was still 
you know, you wouldn't have known it. He was still the life of the party, <laughs> which I really admired about him. You know, like he did, he didn't get him down that he, you know, didn't have a good event, and um, and he was still the life of the party. You know, you had Hoyo there, um, who was sort of he was younger than me, but he was on probably tour for you know half the time that I was, sort of thing. Um, I mean, the second half of my time, uh, and then a lot of years after that. So. Um, you know, and you had your, um, you know, your Rod Kerr's as, you know, the party guy and, and, and Potts yeah. and all that and Tommy Carroll and everyone, you know, there was just, it was, they talk about it now on the tour, you know, the, the sort of larger than life characters and, and Potts also yeah. se- seems to mention sometimes that, you know, back in my day, you know, we didn't, yeah, all the we, time. Didn't, we didn't take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we he, didn't he's take always, step. yeah, yeah, exactly. He's always, he does say quite a bit. There was a lot more rivalry in the water back then. There's not a, there's not enough now. Um, did you have any rob like rivalries, you know, back when you um, in party surfing? Like yeah, I think. Kill. Yeah. Um, well, I would say Potts probably was a rival for me. Um, we had a, we seemed to have a lot of heats against each other and. You know, we we had we obviously beat each other, um, but I, I think I probably had uh, that was one guy that I did have a pretty good record against, um, yeah. and I don't know why, you know, sort of thing. But um, and the best year that I had was the year that he won the world title. So he, I mean, he won world title pretty um, clearly, you know, by a lot of points and stuff. But um, it was also when I had my best year. So I ended up finishing third in that year. That was in '89. So. Yeah, Potts was probably probably the one guy that um, was a bit of a rival, and you know, there's um, oh, you know, nothing ever happened in the water, anything untoward with me. But yeah, there was one time when um, in that year, um, in '89, so it was sort of towards the end of the year in October, and he's kind of you know well out in front on the world title race, and we had a uh, we both made the final in Brazil, mm-hmm. and um, at that time he had a um, a guy named Peter Manstead was his manager and also Tommy Carroll's manager. And he's sort of like a rock and roll manager guy. Yeah. 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 He came across to surfing and he was a nice guy that uh, I got on pretty good with him. But um, that particular time, um, you know, the contest director had told me, Oh, we're going to have a little press conference right before the final. So um, I was sort of hanging around and and then um, all of a sudden the, the beach commentator said, okay, we're going to start the final um, paddle out sort of thing like this quite abruptly. And so Potts has sort of grabbed his board and, and paddle out. And I was like, not really prepared. And I like to have my, yeah. my preparation all, all, all done. <laughs> so, you know, I knew that I'd spoken to the contest director and they hadn't, you know, they didn't have this press conference that they said they were going to have. So, so Potts has paddled out, right. And I'm sort of like getting my stuff ready and then, Peter Manstead, who's right near me, he starts yelling out to the beach commentator to start the final, right? <laughs> He's like, start the final, start the final. And um, anyway, and then the contest director comes running over to me. He says, it's okay, it's okay. We won't start without you, you know, sort of thing. And so I sort of took my time a little bit. Um, I just prepared as I normally would and, you know, made sure my wax was good and did all that and then walked down to the water's edge and rubbed my feet in the wax and paddled out and to the inside and got the first wave so um, I ended up having a good final in, in that one it was real close and you won that one and, um, yeah I won that one and um, yeah. yeah boy but yeah it was just funny <laughs> how this Peter Manstead's yelling at them 
to start the final when he's like standing like <laughs> wow. five feet away from me, sort of thing. Yeah, so, sounds like um, you know, sort of Charlie Medina sort of style management there. Yeah, coach. <laughs> exactly, Charlie Medina. Yeah, Pete Mansell was was the Charlie Medina of uh, of the eighties. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to ask you, Dave. You know, when you were rook from your amateur eighty four eighty five, and you were rookie on tour. Eighty-nine, you finished third in the world. That's only a matter of what three, four years. Um, some great success. What was your um, your key to get you, you risen? You sort of climbed the ranks in a short period of time. Did you have any support along the way, or any um, any mentorship from any any other servers? Or oh, yeah, it's funny you say own, that because yeah. yeah, kind of yeah. I mean, when I very first started. Um, Phil Usher, who's a shaper or was a shaper back then, and he was working at Murray Smith's where I was working. Um, and this was right at the beginning, so say in early, uh, say in 85, when I was planning to go on the tour, and I sat down with him and he said, okay, here's a, here's a plan, sort of. And he said, okay, the first year, just go out and get experience. Second year, um, make the top 30. And the third year, make the top 16. And um, like a three-year plan, and and I was sort of like, wow, you know, that's looks pretty ambitious, sort of thing, you know. But anyway, we yeah. wrote down those goals and and um, uh, and just kind of like forgot about it basically. And then, yeah. you know, as it turned out, I I, I finished forty-eighth in that first year because I only did about half of it. And um, the second year, I finished twenty-fourth, so I was inside the top thirty. And the third year, I finished eighth. And um, you know what I mean? Like it was sort of weird how these goals that I'd sort of with you know he had initiated with yeah. me um actually came to fruition it was like it seemed too good to be true and like <laughs> I said when when yeah when he first wrote those things down and I was sort of thinking oh wow, wow that's uh that's ambitious but okay yeah. whatever you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> sort yeah, of thing yeah. so he yeah he helped me um and in those early days and then from there I kind of just yeah, I, I, I like to watch guys like, say, Barton Lynch, who is actually my age, but he'd already been on the tour for maybe three or four years before I started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the way he competes and he's super smart. And I, I remember actually, you know, sitting there taking notes, watching, watching Barton um, and the way he competed. So he was probably an inspiration in that way. Um, he's pretty analytical and, you know, with his yeah. commentary and, and that sort of thing as well, isn't he, when, he, when, he's, when he's in the booth? I love it. I love Barton the most. I think, you know, yeah, I can I sit so. and listen to Barton all day long, you know, because it's like he's not even, um, it's not really work for him almost because he's just whatever's going through his mind. And obviously he, he filters it to be, uh, you know, PG rated, but you know what yeah. I mean? It's just this mm. analytical viewpoint every single time he speaks. And um, mm. I, I just soak it up and I love, I love listening to him. And I think he's brilliant. So um, you, you like Barton in the booth. Who, who are you not a fan of when, when, when there's commentary happening? Have you got any sort of <laughs> probably a controversial uh, question? It is, it's a little bit controversial. I don't want to uh, <laughs> <laughs> put, my, put my head on the chopping block too much here. But, well, I, I, like I said, I like Barton and I really like, um, also really like, now he's not really doing it now, but Ross Williams, I, feel, I yes. think. I love the way he's also quite analytical but with mm. his own um kind of lingo that comes out with it. it's just you know yeah, everything's yeah. got a a cool sort of not necessarily hawaiian but sort of like just 
beautiful lingo and um so i really enjoy ross and um Barton i think the most we're, and, we're um, right there with you on those two for sure yeah yeah so i guess everyone so needless, ronnie, right? ronnie yeah, I like, yeah i like ronnie i mean he, he he's good yeah i like ronnie and and then you know you can sort of go down in the in a in a list of preferences but i'll, <laughs> I'll i think i'll stop there nah, that, that's so great, rosie's man. had a long spit on the beach hasn't she yeah well rosie's um yeah company interviews out for years yeah you know it was funny once my um, my mates were at my house here when there was no one home they'd just come over to have a cup of tea and they'd come down for a day trip from perth and um they had the comp on you know which i was at i can't remember it was hawaii or something i think it was hawaii um maui and um they (laughs) Rosie started talking about, because she's come to that my house a few times and, you know, she goes, oh, yeah, the Macaulay's house, they just, you know, people come and go and they, they're so this and that. And they had the comp on and my mates are there making a cup of tea <laughs> at my house and they looked at each other going, how does she know we're here? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I told her my that wife. story. Uh, yeah. Classic. Um, what was I going to, uh, I just completely lost my, my train of thought there. Um, so... Being on the tour, just just digressing a little bit, where where do you reckon you you got your best waves? Uh, I I used to love Europe, France mainly the most back then. Um, there was yeah, there was good waves and relatively not too crowded. Uh, it's completely changed now. Now it's yep. just absolutely nuts. But back then in the eighties and early nineties, yeah, it was pretty new in France uh, and you know, like the crowds were insane. They just, they just loved us. Like it was nuts. And um, um, they'd be, you know, waist deep in water, like just, just, and, and just, and still the same now, the, the passion of the crowds there is, is unreal at the comps. Um, uh, but, but you could sneak away, you know, and find a bank somewhere and, and get really good waves. Yeah. It's, it's good to know you can always still do that. Um, I managed to get down to a local beach, which I won't name, on Good Friday and took the family down and managed to park right in front of a peak, which was surfed by myself, which is pretty rare these days. It certainly wasn't the best best beach break conditions, but it was still a bit of fun. Surf by yourself. Yeah. Um, and what about a spot you hated going? What, you, you know, I'm not going to say Brazil as a pre- preemptive, but, you know, there's... Mm. one I've met there. You can't hate it that oh, much. Yeah, it's got to be fun. Mm. Yeah, I definitely had my best results in Brazil, so I can't really bag it out too much, you know, like, <laughs> um, but, you know, and like, say somewhere like Japan, like didn't often get a great rap because it was always small and that, but I went back to Japan, um, you know, back then I might've said, oh yeah, Japan, there's blue bottles and there's, you know, it's all small and terrible. And, but I went back there with Bronte a few years ago and, oh, I just loved it. I just the people are just insane. Like they're so cool in Japan. So, um, you know what I mean? There's kind of like good and bad with every place. And um, yeah. Brazil can drive you nuts with the, the passion of, uh, I'll call it passion, you know, like the free surfers in the contest area. Uh, yeah. It can be just absolutely uh, just nuts. Just like But, yeah. oh, it's, <laughs> oh, yeah. But, um, you know. I guess that's just that that Latin blood. They just they just love it. Just right into it. Did yeah. you travel with anyone in particular um, during your during your, your time on tour? Did you did you knock around with um, was Mitch Thorson and 
Stuart Bedford Brown around surfing much? Yep. Time? Yep. Yep. Same time as Mitch and Brownie. So yeah, we're pretty much on the tour for pretty much exactly the same time. Um, yeah, and but I, I hung I didn't really hang out with them so much as um, probably um, Simon Law um, and Mike Parsons would be the two guys who awesome. I would have hung out with. Um, and yeah, still really good friends with both of them. And and even now, like um, Simon lives in right near Barubi Beach on, in Port Stephens. So okay. yeah, we go there for for a QS event, and um, Brian yeah. loves staying there, and I love it. And he's yeah such a funny guy that um you know we have a great time stayed at his house so we've we literally stayed there probably well, i think last year we stayed there like three separate times yeah. um so that's newcastle even yeah. on a yeah above newcastle it's about an hour north of newcastle so mm. um, is he surfing then, is, uh, surfing a lot is he oh simon yeah still surfing surfing well and um loves his golf and he's got a, a surf shop there so yeah that's pretty tough at the moment obviously and um Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's still um, still still uh, living the dream, and he's got three yeah. three daughters, and they're pretty sporty as well. And yeah, um, yeah so he's uh, yeah. So and then Mike Parsons, um, yeah. So we get to catch up all the time because he's coaching uh, on the tour as yeah. well. So yeah, and and, and he's worry. one guy who I look up to a lot in terms of his yeah. coaching and and what he's done with his athletes and everything. And um, so I'm I'm sort of yeah, coaching Bronte and watching some of these guys like, like in particular Mike and, um, you know, even Jake Pato, who's, who's uh, gone so yeah. well in his coaching career as well as Seth career. I did have a question for you about that and I think you just answered it. I was going to ask you, if you were to step away from coaching, who would you like mm. um, Bronte to be coached by? But it sounds like you, you really rate Snips as a coach. Yeah, if money was no object, Snips would be the one. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a heap of guys from my my era that do it like uh richard marsh dog you know he he's great uh, and potty really Freddy. yep he's got yep. Freddie, leo um and also now nikki van dyke um okay. has switched switched to dog so yeah he's a really good coach um you know you got uh i mean luke egan's coaching as well so is he? Um, okay yep he's coaching julian now is he Courtney um, he was coaching Courtney Collog yeah. a few years ago yeah. and she finished second in the, uh, or she was, yeah, right there in the world title race. I can't remember what she yeah. finished. She might have finished second or third, but um, yeah, so there's a bunch of guys from my era that are, that are all coaching. But yeah, if I had to pick one, it would definitely be Snips. While we're on the coaching um, topic, I was going to ask you um, a, a question, just your initial thoughts on when Charlie Medina yelled out to Gabby. During that round 16 heat, Gabby had with Kyo Valley to 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 burn Kyo. Um, mm. What was your initial thoughts on that? On, on what he did? Did you think it was just an act, just tactical brilliance, or unsportsmanlike, or what was your initial thinking about it? Uh, I feel like it was a bit of both, actually. <laughs> like it was definitely unsportsmanlike, no question about it. But. Uh, was it tactically brilliant? Yeah, maybe as well. You know, like Barton said, I think at the time that could have been the most something like those words you just said. You know, tactically brilliant thing we've ever seen in pro surfing. And um, yeah. I think he was trying to put because everyone was just in shock, and he was trying to put yeah. a bit of a positive spin on it. You know, but yeah, I didn't like it in terms of the look. 
I don't reckon mm. it's a good look that we really want, you know, in pro yeah. surfing. But right, um, yeah. at the same time, he he didn't break the rules. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a fierce competitor, and I feel like mm. with Medina, um, he um, he he always pushes it all the way up to the line, and then he sometimes goes over the line, and he sometimes gets away with it. And I feel like he should get pinged sometimes more than he does. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, and I also feel like, um, yeah, if, if I was, like, I feel like uh, some of the surfers tend to back down a bit too easily against him in tactically, you know. Yeah. Um, and I remember when... Do- Sorry, go on. Yeah, go ahead. Seems to be a bit like uh, what the... the- crew a bit like with Kelly back in the day when it almost just show up for a heat and people already lost the heat. Yeah, I think, yeah, Kelly's was probably more like his surfing was, you know, he was better than everyone for the first half of his career, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and yeah. then people kind of caught up as he uh, sort of thing. But in Medina's case, they don't seem to want to challenge him tactically, like, you know, but mm. every now and then they do. Like I remember when um, Fred, who was getting coached by Dog Marsh, um, beat him at, uh, at Winky Pop. And it was all in, all in the start of the heat where, um, you know, he'd never give up the inside of the start of the heat. But Dog said, if you're going to do this, you've got to do it properly. And um, Freddie mm-hmm. went out and, and he did it properly and he, and he beat him, yeah. you know. So yeah. it was yeah. sort of like you just don't see it often enough. But then, yeah, I just see Medina doing stuff and I think, hey, should be getting pinged for that. Like when... <laughs> You know what I mean? When he's got, hey, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just going to ask you on the women's side. I don't really see um, uh, much on the women's. Is there? Is there a, a mature now? Is is got that sort of prowess, that competitive sort of ultra competitive nature in, in the heats? I don't oh, really see no. much. Not really. No, they're all, all. I mean, the girls are great. I mean, they're all super nice. Um, but there's, you know, you got. Um, yeah, there's not there's no one in the women's like Medina in the men's in terms <laughs> yeah, of yeah. that real yeah. aggressive uh, real aggression. But there's certainly you know Courtney doesn't take a backward step, and you know and uh, I think Taddy's pretty you know I mean they're they're awesome awesome yeah, people yeah. and, and yeah. Um, I think um, yeah there's there's girls that. Um, more assertive, if you like, than others. But yeah, um, sure. yeah there's there's definitely no no Medinas. <laughs> I should just point out we, that um, we are on Zoom, and um, they might kick us off, but they also may not kick us off. So we'll see what happens mm-hmm. in the next couple of minutes. Uh, what were you saying, yeah. Tyrone? Um, I've just lost my train of thought. Yeah. So just with with, with Bronte Dave and uh, and coaching, obviously that the year's been postponed. Um, we, t- we have a segment on our podcast called Bronte's Beats and we also speak a bit about Jack Robbo. So we're, we're big advocates of uh, West Australian surfers and um, we sort of put it out there this year, well, depending on going to fall out, um, she was going to finish top five um, on CT. Um, we, she had a really great start, obviously, in Newcastle. Um, when you look at the tour that we had planned for 2020, um, is what type of waves do you think, in your mind, that Bronte excels in? Is it backhand, a forehand, or is it points? What's your? Oh, generally on? with her, it's yeah, probably more backhand. Um, mm. 
but it's just wherever the ways are better, you know, the quality ways seem to be where she does the best, you know, yeah, like, yeah, you know, her first year at J Bay, she, she looked like, you know, it was the first time ever surfing the joint and she looked like she'd been surfing it, you know, for years kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. I think that, you know, and she had a heat, uh, quarter final with Steph that was tied, I think. Yeah. It was a tie in the end and Steph went on a count back and, yeah. Oh, I mean, I had that many people say to me, "Oh, you know, Bronte should have won that heat," sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. And I think um, it was the, the general uh, thought. But um, you know, Steph was in the world title race with with Lakey and and all that, so she probably had to make it a bit more a bit more <laughs> clear. Um, but, I think she beat Carissa that, as well. On uh, at Manly on the Gold Coast, or no, just at Manly. The other oh, way. Manly, yeah, yeah, just recently, yeah. I know a couple of other people said that to me, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that um, you know, anywhere where it's like good quality ways, I mean, she's, yeah. she could win Snapper, she could win Bell, she could win exactly. J Bay, yeah. Um, she she could have won Karamas, you know, that but it just hasn't <laughs> it hasn't all uh, come together, sort of thing. But or or even um. Maui, you know, like she's sort yeah, of like yeah. this last year. Um, she had the highest first round by two and a half points from the next mm. highest score and then just had a shock in the next heat. So it's probably about the consistency more than anything and yeah. getting those consistent performances together. And, and, you know, and if the waves are good, she's, she's, um, she's definitely good enough to, to win a CT event and, and beat anyone. Yeah, 100% agree with you. And with G-Land, um, would have been a great one for her, I think. I mean, I, I saw a clip of her getting absolutely tubed off her head at, a, at an unknown location down our way. Um, but she's been, uh, yeah, and also working on that big left-hand wrap too. To, uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, you've been taking note there, Tyron. That's great, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Where'd you get that one from, I, from, the, I actually see it live as well, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I oh, will... Yeah, I mean, she's pretty driven, actually, in terms of trying to improve just every day. And, you know, even, like, so she's, I'm still basically working for her. So, um, and my job right now is just to video. We video at least sort of three times a week and then we put it on the telly and go through it and Mm -hmm. just look at little, little sort of, small improvements that she can make and yeah. and you know sometimes she gets a bit impatient and will say oh i'm not oh i'm not getting better i'm like you are getting better like even if it's just like i said to her today like you're more consistent now like as far as like landing all your finish turns and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff where she's lost heats before so she hasn't landed those sure. difficult yeah those difficult finish turns and stuff like that and just she's pretty like her technique now is pretty much come from her. Like I didn't yeah. really have that much to do with it, to be honest, because she's hell bent on watching the best guys and videos. And she'll, if they're yeah. a natural footer, she'll switch it around so that they're goofy. And, and she looks really closely at stuff and, mm. and um, makes those little tweaks on her own. Mm. And it's just that everyday kind of improvement um you know that warrior mentality sort of thing of trying to just be that little bit better each day and she's sort of doing it on her own really i know i'm just there trying to trying to add to it sort of thing yes you did say that well we did say that we um we had a top five this year you guys obviously had goals yourselves are you able to share those yeah 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 well um 
I think Ronnie, not Ronnie, um, Vaughan Blakey said the same, you know, he said the same a couple of times and, yeah, it was great having that win at Newcastle because, like, oh, the, the last win before that was 2016 in Mexico. So they mm. don't come around very often. Yeah. Um, even though, them. like I said, I wanna, yeah, you got to celebrate them, but um, they're not easy. Even QS wins, you know, big QS events. And, and Newcastle's always been a pretty big QS event. But to have that start, you know, and just give her that confidence that, yeah, all this work that I've been doing is sort of, paying off and, and, and stuff. And then, and then people like yourself saying, Oh, you know, we think she can make the top five. Just, yeah, that, that's certainly a goal for her and for me as a coach. Um, and, and then to go further. So, um, yeah, no, you guys are right on the money and, you know, I hope, I hope you're right. <laughs> yeah, we have to. How does it, how does it feel as a coach to get that win? Cause obviously you've experienced it as a surfer. Um, it must be, really satisfying as a coach as well absolutely yeah yeah it was you know and being you know like a father you just you sort of like you you ride those those highs and lows you know so much more yeah yeah so yeah it was it was it was unreal we were staying with um a family that we've been staying with for about oh the last seven years and she had her one and only pro junior win was there in Newcastle. And it was when we first stayed with this, mm. this unreal family that's become like family. And, um, uh, so yeah, to win again, there was just, it was a treat and stoked. And so Blinky, the guy who we stay with him and I shared her up. So yeah, nice. Yeah. It was awesome. That's it. What a great moment. Tyrone. Um, I was going to ask you about um, uh, the, the the tour's been postponed up until GLAND. As the as the I guess the, the the management of the of the World Surfing League are they are they been keeping you in, keeping Bronte um, in good comms in regards to if the if the tour may recommence in GLAND or still a bit to to say. Um, well, the last thing that we've heard was just like at the end of right when Manly or just before Manly finished and they said, okay, we're canceling all the events or not canceling postponed. So they canceled snapper and uh, New Zealand, which was the next QS that we were about to go to. Um, but they've postponed bells and Margaret. So nice. is what they've, that's the language that they've used so far. So, yeah. and then for GLAN, they said, Oh, look, you know, that might get shifted to a, a location with more um, uh, infrastructure. So, but, but, you know, that was like, when was that? That was probably about the 13th of March or 12th yeah. or 13th of March when nothing, they said that. So nothing further from there. It's since, no, not really. Yeah. No, I haven't really heard any more than that. Um, so yeah, we just we just know that everything's cancelled up to GLAN and that GLAN won't won't go ahead at GLAN sort of thing. And um, yeah, but since then, you know, things have probably gotten you know worse than they were back then. Yeah, you know, exactly. even then. So yeah. so you know, it's it's just a wait and see at the moment. We'll just have to yeah. um, see what happens. Yeah. So do you yeah, know, it must yeah. be okay. must be well. Uh, it's understandable. It must be frustrating for some of the surfers that just want to get their teeth into it. And as uh, as as 
most people would just, yeah, we, we can't wait for it to resume. Um, mm. And what we were saying before, I guess we're really lucky that our beaches are still open, so we can surf and I guess confront you can still get in the water and keep surfing and maintaining a good level of fitness and yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly right. Was, yeah, just so lucky. I mean, you know, all of Europe and America and that, they just um, can't do what we we're able to do here. And, and, and for, so for Bronte, she, she, um, she feels like when you're on the, we, we felt like, and, and mainly her, that last year doing, say the last four years of doing CTs, and QSs, there just wasn't much time, downtime to try to improve because yeah, when you're yeah. competing, you're just sort of competing. And But so she's, yeah, she didn't mind so much having this time now to try to just keep improving, to yeah. keep getting better. And then when she, when we, you know, the tour starts up again, that she can hopefully be that bit better in yeah. a few areas, you know, and um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were thinking along the lines of even though she did those um, first couple of QS events, um, which I'm glad she did, but after that, we were more thinking just doing the CTs and maybe skipping that next. Um, there's sort of like a, there was a cluster of QS events around America in August and Spain. Yeah. Um, and there was two 10,000s and a, and a 5,000. But yeah, she was thinking of skipping them and just doing a surf trip. Uh, or something like that to try to yeah. improve and and mm. just really go sort of like what Ryan Callanan did last year where he just went, yeah. no, I'm just doing the CTs and then just yeah. focusing on that. And, which is, yeah, which is actually what I did when I, because the last three years that I was on tour, um, it changed to the current system, even though the numbers were different. So we had the yeah. CTs yeah. and the QSs. Top and I... Yeah, top 44, exactly right. And I, but they only took 12 from the CT and the rest from the QS. So it was pretty hard. Like, and I only did the CTs, even though you had to make the top 12. And, um, and I made it each year um, just doing that. And like literally, because I already had like um, two kids in 92 and then another Bronte was born in 94. So um, by the, the last year I was on tour, had three kids. So I was sort of going away for comps, coming home, going away, coming home. So busy I wasn't life. spending ages away. Yeah, it was busy. But um, but just having that thing where you can just focus on the one tour is, is pretty yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, it must be draining as well. Not, not only just not being able to improve your surfing, but it must be tiring following two tours around. It's tiring, yeah. Mentally can be pretty draining and um it can it can hit you oh, like late in the year you know it's like girls like sally and steph and that they'll come to europe and they've had a break or you know what i mean they, they, they'll come to these events where they haven't done any qs events and they're fresher there's no doubt about it so um, yeah. it's definitely got merit yeah yeah just on, a, on, on another note um as you know, uh, Jack Robinson qualified for the, for the men's CT last year. Um, we 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 watched the whole. You probably were there in Hawaii at the time, but um, obviously we, we sort of watched his journey and his qualification. Um, and I expect there's going to be a lot of high expectations on Jack. How do you sort of see his his um, rookie year playing out? And um, 
and and where do you see his strengths will be in, in some of the ways on tour? Oh, no where doubt. We do eventually start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to be. Um, he can potentially be so devastating at Chopu, G-Land, um, obviously Hawaii, where he already was. You know, best performance ever at Sunset. Um, you know, the guy's amazing and um everybody knows it you know what i mean so uh he 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 can make the top 10 for sure first year in a rookie i think like if he gets big results in those heavy water ways you know margaret's obviously with the box and main break um Mm. gosh he's and he's improved so much um in his smaller ways performances i think in the last two or three years yeah i can't believe how much better he is in i thought that was going to be a stumbling block for him trying to get through. You know, he was always good enough to be on the CT in the, in the real good waves, especially in barrels. But mm. um, yeah, I thought, well, oh, he's got to get there through the blooming QS in all these junky, yeah. you know, Brazil, Brazilian beach breaks and that. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, he did it. And Hawaii, obviously, I mean, Bronte had a bet with Jack, um, my son, that Jack Robbo would win um, Sunset. Before it started, you know, he's going <laughs> to. Yeah. She was that confident that he was going to win it before round yeah. one even hit the water. Yeah. Uh, she said it and had a bet, you know, with him. We were hoping. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's just he's just that good and, and so consistent with his always getting um, yeah. excellent range scores and you know, and the, and the barrels that he gets is just insane, you know. So, oh, I mean, the sky's the limit, really, isn't it, for Jack? Yeah. And, um, I wish him all the best. It's, it's so good having two WA crew on the on the tour. It's uh, mm. it's good good times again in WA, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've just missed the name of another young West Aussie done really well from Margaret River. Um, Kelly done that big turn at sunset on a five ten. Jacob Wilcox. Mm. Mm. He had a yep. great uh, back half. It was. Mm. He was looking really good. I can't remember what he finished on his QS rankings, but. It's around the 20 mark, I think. Close, very close. Mm. And that, that one heat with Kelly, that, um, I don't know if that was a deal breaker to get him to qualify, but um, mm. yeah, hopefully. Um, uh, it was, uh, yeah. He, he only had to make that heat or one more heat at sunset. Um, didn't get the score. And he was Kelly, on. Sorry. So, yeah. Yeah, that was a bit gnarly. But, um, I mean, he's got a great attitude. And I think yeah. he he'll make he'll make it as well. So that'll be unreal. And yeah, he's got that ability, insane ability in any sort of small ways. But then he's this magnificent two rider as well, like Jack um, mm. when it gets heavy. So he's very versatile, um, you know. And he's going to fill out. He's pretty skinny still, chipo, yeah. but and it, but he's just lightning fast. And um, you know, he he's he's definitely going to uh, fill out and get more and more powerful and um, I think he's a very good chance to also get yeah, on the tour. Good to see. Great to see. Yeah, he's, he's certainly looking good, that's for sure. Now, Dave, we're going to let you go shortly. You've been very generous with your time. Um, we've talked about a bit about the, uh, the young WA crew and that sort of thing. Um, let's go back to you, mate. Are you shaping many boards at the moment? Uh, right at this moment, no, but I did a... I did a decent amount over summer, just, you know, just mainly just kind of like repeat customers and local kind of custom orders and stuff like that. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I did a few over summer and um, yeah, that just yeah kind of ticks along and um, keeps my hand in, you know, and um, yeah, I enjoy making my own boards and riding them and um, yeah, so like like on a good day at lefties, there might be you know, including my board and Laura's Laura or someone, you know, there might be half a dozen of my boards in the water, yeah. which is kind of cool. Awesome. Yeah, all getting called into ways. All right, you bought a board. Yeah. Sweet, so you get this one, mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that does happen. Yeah, <laughs> oh, mate, I've seen it happen. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Good one. Dave, your your level of surfing is still unbelievable. How have you kept yourself fit, mate? What's what's your secrets? As I move into my fifties, that or you just like, tea, mate. not you're not taking a foot off the pedal when I see you in the surf. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's uh, really nice of you to say. And um, <laughs> oh, it's just true. Oh well, yeah. Just I mean, good healthy uh, living, mate. Oh, just... I wouldn't say I'm that healthy living. And Brody goes, you never stretch. What? How do you? You know, like an. I just pictured like... you as a yoga guru on the beach stretching. <laughs> but... I know. I'm not very. I'm not. It's funny. Yeah, I just I try to surf regularly. And that's about it. Like, you know, and I yeah, ride okay. my little, simple. yeah, yeah, it's pretty simple. And if I could, I like, I'll go on out on pretty crap days as well, you know, yeah. and yeah. that, I think that's kind of good for trying to stay sharp. And then, you know what I mean? You, you get yeah. uncrowded onshore crappy days and surf those as well. And yeah, I try to surf like a minimum of four times a week and then, but often more, you know, yeah. Um, that, yeah. That's a good surf philosophy. A great, yeah. a great exercise um, philosophy. Uh, you, you see some of these videos that some of the pros are doing, doing all sorts of funny exercises, um, just going out in the water, surfing in all conditions. And it's, it's way to if you've got to do those aerials, though, you've got to get that mobility, don't you? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, what they're doing is a, a whole different ball game. And um, yeah, they, their exercises are tailor-made for that, I think. Yeah. Now we couldn't let you go. We couldn't let you go, Dave, without talking about the 2018 uh, titles in, in the Azores. Uh, we, we you mentioned it briefly before. How, how was that? Well, congratulations, firstly, on on the big win there. How how was that for you over there? Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, it's funny because you know, like since I stopped the tour, which was say end of '94, uh, when Bronte, the year Bronte was born. Um, and sort of when that event happened, I guess, what's that, you know, say that was 2019. So it's quite a while. So 20 something years, you know, <laughs> um, that maybe all those surfs I was having, I was kind of in a way training for the, for that event. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. even though I did other, a couple of other masters events, um, maybe three other ones in the early, early 2000s. But um, it was almost like all that time in the water kind of came to that moment. You know what I mean? And mm. Yeah, it was, it was crazy kind of the way the planets lined up at the right moment, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I was, I was actually the oldest guy in that event, in that division. And, um, you know, like there was some great stuff being done by the likes of Jake Pato, um, Luke Egan, Shane Beshin, uh, it was stacked. Mate, that it was stacked, stacked you know. field, yeah. Yeah, it really was. And I, you know, and I was certainly not 
you know, they had this round robin uh, format where you surf three heats um, in your pool. Um, and I didn't really go that well. Like um, I, I lost my first heat to the uh, Portuguese wildcard. And then I had a good heat against Sonny Garcia when he gave the bird to the judges um, <laughs> when he didn't get the score on his last wave. Um, and then I lost to Luke Egan. So I actually lost two out of three heats. Um, and I, yeah. luckily they changed the format. So that went from 12, like the 12 invited surfers down to eight um, quarter finalists. And I finished uh, eighth. So I just scraped in basically to the quarterfinals, um, which pitted me against um, Jake Pato, who won all his heats, along yeah. with uh, Luke, Luke Egan and uh, Shane Beshan. They all won their three round-robin heats. Uh, but Jake was the highest seed because his um, heat totals were um, the highest. And that's how I made the top eight, basically, on my heat totals ahead of the um, the next guy. It was the, the wild card that beat me. He finished ninth. So... I was ahead of him on points when you added your three um, heat totals together. Um, so I was lucky to be in the quarters. Um, and then I just hit this purple patch um, from the, the heat with Jake onwards. Um, so I, I come good, sort of. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, sweet thing, I mean, Jake. Oh, it was unbelievable because Jake and I had a heat. Uh, the only other man on man heat we had was in 1990 at the Margaret River Pro when he was 17 and I was 26. Wow. Right. And I was on the tour then and had won the Margaret River Pro the year before. Jake was, yeah, you know, like a grommet, up and coming, like hot yeah. grommet. And it was sort of, it was about, um, I was like six foot, say five, six foot margs. And he took me out. He beat me. And, um, <laughs> and that was an up because you know he was a grommet and I was already on tour and yeah, one, yeah, the year before and blah blah blah. So yeah. It would have been. It was, yeah. And then twenty twenty eight years later we Sweet have our next man on man heat. No way. Yeah. Twenty eight years later. Twenty eight years later we had another heat, uh, man on man. And Jake was clearly the favourite, obviously. Yeah, he was on yeah. he was the number one seed, he was ripping and, and I was and it just basically came to this one moment when like because it was mainly less and then there was just the odd right and, and i had already had a wave and then jake had priority in this this heat and i had like a six five or something and then this wave come and it was a right hander and i was like oh my backhand's bad right now and, uh, and jake had paddled across to get this right hander and it just just lipped up a little bit so it was going to be a slightly late takeoff and i was sort of like almost on the shoulder of it and I've and he didn't and he pulled back right, and then I've gone oh, oh yeah, I suppose I'll go you know and I've got this right hander and I did a turn and then come down and went oh this section looks alright you know I've gone <laughs> and hit it and it was all sweet and come out of it and next thing I got a a, a seven eight you know for that one wave and <laughs> it was like um, I wasn't even almost didn't go it you know what I mean it was just that. <laughs> moment in time when if Jake had taken the wave, even though it was like a slightly awkward late takeoff, you know, it might have been a whole yeah. different result. But but yeah, and then I had a real good heat against um Fabio Gavea, which was unreal because um I just we have a lot of respect for each other and um like I went to shake his hand before the heat and he's like, hang on a sec and he got his wife to take a photo of us standing yeah, there with our jerseys on before the heat, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. 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 good to say. Yeah. I really liked his style of surfing. Um, 
He's so good. Like, and he, um, I saw him like the day before and I was like, who's that guy? Like I thought, is that, it must be a QS guy that's sort of just <laughs> here for some reason. And I went, oh my God, it's Fabio Gavay, you know? And, um, yeah. But I had a real good heat against Fabio. I, and it was mainly because I had the best two waves that came through and, yeah. and um, had a couple of good scores. And then in the, in the final against Shane Besh and um, yeah, um, it just, the, the the pebble, the flow kept coming, you know, it just, I, I, when it comes, you just, yeah, just sort of ran yeah. with it. But yeah. so I, I definitely felt like, you know, like the planets lined up sort of thing, you know, yeah. and um, it was just, uh, it was unreal. And my friend Mal, uh, who's like 10 years older than me and he's retired, he came over and just to be in my corner sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was unreal, you know, having that him there. And then great celebration. It was awesome, and then Bainey, so it was Mal, myself, and Bainey, we hung together the, for the whole week. You know, we were just mm. doing everything together, every meal, and we, we had a great week. And then, yeah. you know, to top it off, he won the Grand Masters, and, and yeah. I won the Masters, That's so it was just boys like this. chocolate's home. Nice. Double celebration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. So, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was amazing. How does the Masters so. work, Dave? Is it every so many years they have it run another event? Oh. Yeah, it's just random, you know. It's just yeah, if okay. someone wants to put up the dough um, right. somewhere, they'll they'll have it. Like that, there was yeah. the one before that I didn't go to. It was in Brazil seven years before that, and then the one oh, before that was in yeah. And that so it's not a set thing or anything. It's just like I did one in two thousand in France, um, and then another one in two thousand one in Ireland, where I finished second actually in that to Kong. And he yeah. was on a roll and he, he won three in a row. And the next one I did was 2003. They had another one at Makaha on Oahu. And then yeah. they didn't have one until Brazil. And then, and then the next one was Azores. So, yeah, they're just, they're just kind of random. It'd be so great if they sort of made it like every couple of years and someone backed it. It just looks like a great event. You get a lot of, um, a lot of guys back together, um, a lot of, a lot of ex-professionals surfing together. And it looks like a really fun event. It's good, good to see. Um, People like yourself still surfing at a great level, and mix a couple of the uh, younger guys like Jake and Shane Beshin and that. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm stoked because I'll be if they don't change the age thing, I'll move up into the next age bracket. So <laughs> I'll be the young guy, <laughs> the young guy the next time. But take Bobby but I mean, title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be battling with Bailey, but <laughs> but like, I mean. Um, it is. It's 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 a lot of fun. But I was amazed at the response. You know, everyone I talked to was, oh yeah, love watching it. I was like, wow, yeah, wow. Like you know, there was genuinely seemed to be a lot of people that were actually really interested in it. And and yeah. I know that Sophie Goldschmidt went when she realised like, wow, what's happening? You know, this event's actually you know getting a lot of uh, interest. So it was, yeah, it was yeah, great. So yeah. hopefully they will won't be too far away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Nice Excellent. one. Um, Dave, we're going to wrap it up, but thanks so much for, for coming on. We've been talking about doing this for a while. Um, really appreciate you, you coming on the Barrel Surf podcast. Um, now, big year ahead. We just don't know what's going to happen, but um, when it does get back on, on track and everything opens up again and hopefully the tour does, does come back on, all the best of luck for the year and uh, hope Bronte goes well. And, um, yeah, hopefully she can come on the, on the potty at some point as well. But uh, any last final questions, T-Bone? No, I think, yeah, I think we've uh, used enough, enough of Dave's time. But, yeah, once again, thanks for coming on, Dave. And, um, yeah, 
like it, as Naomi said, once the uh, hopefully this will pass and everyone's safe and we 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 uh, kickstart the the year of surfing and um, yeah, best of luck for your family and and um, as we uh, get through this uh, phase in life and may see you out in the, in the surf sometime soon. If not, we'll see you yeah. for a beer. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, thanks a lot for having me, and um, yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure, and um, yeah, stay safe, everyone, and um, yeah, stoked, and hopefully, uh, you know, who knows, they might get some sort of a tour going um, sometime in the second half of the year, or see what happens, but um, you know, just get through this time, and um, yeah, thanks a lot for having me, guys. Good on you, cheers, Dave, thanks again, and uh, speak to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Catch you, mate. Bye. See ya.